Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back. This is Jonathan Corey uh, from Precursive. Hello again. Uh, welcome along to those joining us for the first time uh, on this episode of the Precursive podcast. Uh, for those rejoining or coming back, uh, hello again. Um, delighted always to have uh, new people giving us feedback on these shows so far. Been a lot of um, positive feedback on season two as we've been exploring more deeply this uh, outcome zero as well as this high velocity customer success and, and, and professional services environment. Now, um, today I am delighted to be joined um, by uh, Oscar Oskan, who is the CCO from Instabase. Hi, Oscar, how are you? Hi, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, absolutely. And, uh, and you're in Turkey today. That's correct. Yes, I am not in my usual East Coast uh, time zone. Uh, normally, I'm located in New York City. Yeah. Um, but after the COVID pandemic, I had the chance to actually travel back to the home country to see my parents. Mm -hmm. uh, the kids are having a blast. Uh, they're being spoiled uh, to the limits. Wonderful. Um, so, yes, that's where I am today. And whereabouts in Turkey? I am in my in my home city, which is Izmir. It's on the it's on the Aegean Sea. It's a beautiful place for those who might not have visited. Add it to your list. Very cool, very cool. So the grandparents are getting to meet uh, your some of your kids for the first time. I understand. Yeah, my right? two little ones. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful to hear. Well, it's been a pretty uh, a, a very challenging last few years for for you know all of us. Um, and and so I think anything related to to people being able to see their families is a great is a great thing. Um, in in the world of work, then, um, can you tell us a little bit about? Uh, yourself, the scope of your role, and, and and tell us a bit more about what what Instabase does, and then any sort of highlights from your your career to date that you you're happy to share with the audience, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah of course, absolutely. So yes, I'm the chief customer officer at Instabase. Uh, the company is a Series B company. Uh, we are we are rapidly growing, so we are hiring. Just as a small advertisement there as well. Yeah, no problem. But, uh, <laughs> What, what we do is, uh, Instabase, you can think of it as an application platform, actually. Uh, we are specifically tackling the intelligent document understanding use case right now, uh, but that's not our limit of our platform. If you actually ask our CEO and founder, we are building the app store for the enterprise business out there. We would like to bring the smooth, uh, seamless experience that we all have been having in our consumer lives with, with our, you know, phones to the enterprises, which is okay. unfortunately has been or is still a little bit clunky compared to our consumer lives. Um, as I said, we started with document understanding uh, and we are specifically serving a financial services vertical. Uh, unlike some of the startups that I have been part of or I've seen, we are actually cutting our teeth with some of the industry giants. Uh, which obviously puts a lot of pressure on the product and the CS teams uh, yeah, as yeah, demand is, is unmatched. Um, and then, you know, in my, in my specific role, I'm building out all of our CS teams. So that ranges from customer success management, technical account management, to professional services, to support, proactive support, um, technical education, and technical documentation. Mm -hmm. um, I've been here for eight months, so I'm not new, not old in my tenure in this really interesting uh, place. And then before Instabase, I've been with uh, MongoDB, the database mm -hmm. company for the previous six years, 
Um, similar yep. journey. I joined them when it was around 100, 150 people yep. uh, and built teams both on the CS side and a little bit on the pre-sales side, which was an interesting combo. Yeah, yeah. And, and a, very, a well-known business, I think, MongoDB from a culture perspective and how they would drive things forward, right? There was a, a, a lot of rigor around process and culture and capability absolutely. in that business. Absolutely. So, have, been, have been an amazing six years of learning and building. Absolutely. It's nice to be able to take that type of experience and apply it, apply it elsewhere as well. I can, <laughs> yes. I can, I, I can imagine. And the world, the world of financial services is always a blessing and a curse, isn't it? It's always the level of regulation and complexity and geography and all of these types of things can make it, uh, let's say, very interesting to operate in. So, indeed, indeed. I mean, especially with the challenger banks and fintech stepping in, the banks wants to innovate, but then how do you innovate? Where do you innovate? And how do you innovate in a secure, you know, regulated way? It's it's always an interesting conversation. Yeah, no, absolutely. We work with a number of fintech businesses like uh, GoCardless and Tink and Currency Cloud. Those two just got bought mm -hmm. by Visa. So, yeah, it's an, it's an exciting space and a lot of change going on mm -hmm. in it. And so, you know, we're all working in a, in a very different, um, I would say, way to, the, to the, the past, this new remote reality. You know, you and I are having a chat. I'm sat in a random office in London. Uh, you're, you're at home in Turkey working New York hours. Um, you know, in your in your experience, I mean, how have you seen customer success, you know, evolve over the course of this new remote reality? Because, of course, you would have you would have started your new job predominantly, I guess, in a remote environment. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's almost funny. I don't I don't know about you, but I don't even remember the previous mode of uh, working anymore. <laughs> so it yeah. became a habit, I guess, already after after almost two years. But um, you know, I've seen one great thing that happened to CS and then one big challenge that got uh, CS pressured, right? I think the great thing that happened is um, CS was gaining popularity in the last decade uh, because um, I think it was, it was known that it's much more efficient to expand your existing customer. Uh, you need them to be a reference for your pipeline generation. You want them to give you feedback for your product innovation. Like those things were all known. Um, and they were, you know, I've been in multiple board meetings and executive meetings where the heads know that yes, 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 is very important. But I think with the pandemic hit, it became a, a not just a logical or in our head reality. I think we felt it in our guts and hearts as well. Um, I think the pandemic sent a shock to the system and, and protecting or expanding the customer footprint become the lifeline all of a sudden. And therefore the eyes and the pressure turned to CS because that was that is typically the organization where you would uh, keep your customers happy, keep them engaged, you know, keep them actually uh, interested in renewing or buying more. Um, so Blessing and a curse, I guess, but that has been a great opportunity for CS. I think the recruiting went off the, off the roof uh, in, in the CS world in the last two years as well. The pressure that I have seen on CS very day-to-day -day is, is, is the communication and operational pressure. Um, CS is typically maybe compared to some of the other central departments is the only function that talks to everyone and every, uh, every department and everyone in, in your company. So all of a sudden, um, 
the calendars uh, got exploded with Zoom calls. You know, sales wanted to talk to CS, product wanted to talk to CS, marketing wanted to talk to CS, CS wanted to talk to them. Uh, so I, I've seen that and it didn't get resolved, I think, fully, but I think we walked into a new rhythm for the last nine to 10 months, I would say. Um, but lots of innovation in communication and processes that accelerate because of that pressure. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the, the, this this whole retention is the new growth piece. Correct. Like it's it's yeah. interesting is you you talk about that yeah the eyes of the, the you know the board or the executives or the investors right like they would have perhaps their eyes would have paid it lip service if that was a uh, if that was a phrase right. in the past but now their eyes are very very focused on it so that's a you know it, it, it's it's an interesting analogy the the. The pressure, it's interesting you mentioned like that pressure piece. So you 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 see this dual pressure, the pressure from customers, mm -hmm. but then you've also highlighted something that I've not actually heard brought up before on a, on a previous conversation, which is this internal pressure. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants a piece of the CSM, right? And that's quite challenging because that's, I would imagine that's a lot of, it's quite a, a young person's profession, right? So there's a lot of pressure yeah. and responsibility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there is there is the dynamic of that of that personality that you typically see in the young CS community, right? Which is they I'm going to date myself here, but they grow up with instant gratification of the social media, getting an answer quickly back and forth. And in companies, the processes were not optimized for that, right? You submit a support ticket, there is an SLA, you get an answer, you need to remind someone, like all those things got through out of the window. And um, <clears throat> I think that's what we, what, why we see, if you're using Slack or whatever tool of communication, we saw an explosion in those channels internally. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I think the the emotional pressure internally on the team, the communication directness and cleanliness. And then the other thing, as you said, they're a young community, typically doesn't come with authority in the organization, but all of a sudden they have to be authoritative in their way of communicating to actually put everything together for the customer. I think we learned a lot through the pandemic in those subsequels in the CS community a lot. So we're asking a lot of these people and so and you say it's moved on a bit like so you're observing a little bit more of a maturity of working in this way yeah. which areas do you feel are continuing to be are you finding continuing to be more more challenging to deal with like because I guess you know areas like prioritization for example for of people so young is, is quite it's quite challenging so which areas yeah. are you seeing yeah, definitely. Um, it depends from from where the CS team is is located strategically in the organization, right? For instance, right now, where I'm locating my CS focus is very close to the product in in my organization because I want to get as much possible as as many um, product feedback back to the organization to iterate very quickly um, to make sure that we optimize bunch of bunch of metrics. So right now in my world, that's where the that's where the communication, you know, uh, pressure and the communication uh, frequency is really high. But for instance, in, in Mongo, the CS was much more closer uh, located to the sales side of the 
line, right? CS is typically between product and sales endpoints. You move it one way or the other, depending on you know, what problem you're trying to actually tackle with CS. Um, so that has been the other experience. So I guess it depends on where your CS is actually trying to add value or bring acceleration to the organization. Mm-hmm. And are they, are, they, are they closer to the product at the moment for you guys? Because it is, is what you provide, is it heavily tailored and customized per financial institution? Or is it relatively vanilla as you roll it out? What's the, what's the, is it, is it, is it more of, more of the customized piece or is it more like out of the box and we're just trying to get that product market fit better and better and better? To, so to the core, the core capabilities we provide, we have marketplace apps, for instance, that are plug and play applications, right? So okay. that piece yep. is vanilla, that piece is optimized for the use cases that we see industry, in, in the industry, in the financial services industry. But as you can imagine, when you're trying to integrate into a financial services space, especially when you're integrating to key business workflows that cannot go down, that has you know, risk alerts and eyes on it, such as loan processing or KYC, know your customer processing or payment reconciliations. Those uh, workflows um, need a lot of integration. So even if we are not doing the integration, if our customers are doing the integration, those are obviously bespoke to the, to the banks um, or the insurance companies specific. But what we provide is, uh, is mostly out of the box. Okay. Cool. And then, and then, so where do you see things going in customer success over, over the next years? What, what's kind of the next phase of evolution that you think is going to, going to, going to happen? Yeah. 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 I, 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 I don't think uh, CS will be forgotten. I think it made it mark, you know, in the, in the boardrooms and these executive um, conversations that um, it's, it's value is understood. Maybe it's not delivering value in every single setup, but I think the value that it needs to deliver is well understood. So what I expect in the next, let's say, maybe two two years time, um, a lot of standardization and a lot of standard playbooks coming out of of CS in the industry. If you think of sales or marketing, um, there are playbooks that have been documented, well-tested. There are even, you know, class of touts and, and, you know, different communities that fell in love with different playbooks out there. Um, I expect that to start happening in CS as well. Um, I think the metrics will be clarified when we say gross renewal or net renewal or time to value. There will not be, you know, 50 different explanations of the same metric, I think those will get standardized and together with the playbooks. Um, I think the other thing that is going to happen, and that's just my estimate or guess, um, CS got implemented in a bunch of companies that didn't have CS before. Either engineering was doing the CS job or sales was doing the CS job. So I think we are going to have a cohort of engineers or salespeople or marketing people who now know how to work with CS. And I think wherever they go in their career, they're going to bring the CS playbook and the CS way of thinking with them. Um, So I expect that kind of, if you will, the motto of CS coming out of just the function at a company level 
um, demanded by other functional leaders as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that organizational capability, like CS less as a role and a job and much more as an organizational capability. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Is, is, is definitely something which is in, I, I think it's in its infancy. Like, I think there's a lot of talk about it, but I think it's, it's, it, it's in its infancy because I, I've, I've had conversations with people running customer success organizations in a number of enterprise companies. And, and it's, it, it really is just rebadged account management. That's like correct. when you actually yeah. when you or actually renewal, get onto it, yeah, or renewal or, or, team or or support team, you know, if it yeah. is a easy to support product, you're absolutely right. I think in established organizations, just like any other change management, that's not going to happen very fast. What I expect is in the new organizations that's forming, or the new leadership that's maybe coming to turn around the organizations, this CS question will be asked, and and, and sometimes I talk to, you know, new startup founders or new CEOs, and they ask, like, how should I set up CS function? And typically I tell them, you don't need to set up a CS function, actually, in the beginning. You are the CS person in the beginning, right? You, you are responsible to make sure that your customer feedback comes back to your organization. You need to make sure that, you know, your, your customer value is being thought about. Um, you need to make sure that you are making sales and product and marketing talk together and work together. So it's less for me, it's less about hiring someone to run the function. It's more about are we actually thinking and talking about CS in our exec meetings, right? Yeah. At that level. Yeah, I mean, I think I think smaller companies are forced to be better at it. Because, mm -hmm. because, you know, it's, it's, there's less room for failure. Um, we're finding a lot that actually, you know, a huge shout out to my customer success team. We're finding companies, you know, some businesses that are doing hundreds of, well, certainly north of 50 million ARR, hundreds of million ARR, asking us for our documentation mm -hmm. that they've seen in sales. So they're like, oh, we want to steal that. We want to steal that. We want to, we're like, great. Yeah, yeah. take it. And, and they're like, how did you guys go? And we were like, well, we have to have something because yeah. we're forced to. And we figured out that, like, let's let's document it. Let's have a methodology. Let's do it early because that'll that'll scale. Because yeah. all the companies we're talking to are at scale and they're trying to put things in. And it's much more challenging then because you're trying to repair the plane as you're flying the plane. Yeah, yeah, exactly, um, exactly. It's it's very difficult to put a playbook after the fact because typically yeah. what also is felt you know, you're kind of elbowing your way into the conversation uh, when yep. you put CS after the fact. Um, yep. And it can get, it can get, unfortunately, you know, emotional or territorial. Uh, yeah. But yep. uh, that's why, that's why my first comment was about, I think we are going to see industry standard playbooks out there yep. that will make those conversations and changes easier to execute. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the, 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 the gap between closing a deal and getting your customer to realize value, right? So, you know, some will call that time to launch, some will call it time to value, some will call it time to transaction, exactly. there's different things that'll be standardized. I think the thing that won't be as easy to standardize for services and success teams will be the fact that customers describe 
or look at value in different ways. Um, right. I was talking to uh, a gentleman who runs a services organization at a, at a large software business. He was talking to a customer and this is three months after they've deployed and the mm-hmm. customer said, yeah, well, we're still in onboarding. And he was thinking, hold on, <laughs> mm-hmm. you, in our world, you were in onboarding three months ago. Now you're in, you're in life, right? And yeah. he just, it, it, that, that paradox of actually the customer perception versus the vendor perception. I think that's the area where it'll always, let's say, be quite gray <laughs> rather yes. than black yes. and white. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, also, you can be in expansion or adoption phase, but you lose your champion or yeah. you lose the main developer or whoever the main power user. Yep. Are you still in adoption or actually you're back now in onboarding from yep. start, right? I, th- I think CS needs to be, that's why I shy away from measuring my teams. So I'm like, how many customers are you on onboarding versus expansion? Because I don't want them to fake where the customer is. I really right. want to know where the customer is according to the customer and where, where yep. you know, honestly they should be. I love that. Don't don't fake where the customer is. Now, yeah. you mentioned that in your organization, you've got customer success, you've got technical account management, you've got professional services, and then is support under you as well? Yes, yes. Yeah. So one of the things that we explore a lot is the convergence between the worlds of um, professional services and customer success. And the kind of the origins of this is that many companies, uh, that, that more from the on-premise software environment mm-hmm. and i would say in the earlier stages of of, of of SaaS, you had this sort of silo between the world of professional services who would perhaps run the implementation and then customer success who would pick up the baton post go live perhaps yes. uh, uh, you know whereas now we're seeing this across many organizations um uh, matt berg from sap concur was on the show they've mm-hmm. just merged their professional services and customer success organizations john Harrison from Sage, who's moved from there, they also had a combined team. So this convergence between mm-hmm. these worlds, and you see it in Silicon Valley where services is into customer success and everyone's having to work together. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's very symbiotic. So I'm curious to get your perspective on why do you think these teams need to partner closer together to deliver more value to customers? Yeah, that, that's, that's, a great, that's a great question. I think the the way I think about it is first you need to ask why professional services exist and why CS exists, and then see if you know the reason why they exist in your organization actually needs a conversion. Um, what I have seen why PS exists is either in the beginning your product is difficult to use, right? Because you're just building it as you go in a startup mode and you need to augment it with, with services or your product roadmap is evolving so rapidly that you cannot leave it to the customer to implement because you're basically implementing for the future product roadmap with your services. Or sometimes your customer either doesn't have because of whatever reason or doesn't want to invest in the skill set internally to run or implement your product. And then I think at the largest scale that you're at such a scale, right? You can actually provide services extremely efficiently um, both cost-wise and 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 you know skill set-wise in the in the market with your partners and system integrators and what what have you, and maybe there are many other reasons why PS exists, but the, I guess the long story short is, in my head, 
the PS organization is actually the development team of my customers. So if you stop thinking of your PS organization belongs to your company, but it actually belongs to your customer, then CS or support or whoever actually needs to converge with PS because in a way you're converging with your customer development team in that sense, right? Um, I'm also a big fan of, for instance, training is also reports under me, training and education. I'm building Instabase Academy. I always want my professional services team to deliver the training because they know all the edge cases. They know the limits of the product. They know what other use cases customers are doing. They can really bring the real life examples to the training curriculum. Right? That's just another yep. way of looking into what converges together. So that's just one maybe mindset shift for the PS. The second one is, is more operational or management. Um, when you stop measuring PS on what I call, no offense for if there is anyone listening who is still measuring their PS on this, but old school metrics of like margins and utilization and PS sales tactics, like, if you think about for a minute, these are sales and activity metrics. They are not value or output or outcome, as you mentioned in the beginning, metrics. What is the outcome metrics that PS contributes? Time to value, expansion, enablement, product adoption, technical champion building. Yep. When you start measuring PS on those, First, you liberate PS a little bit because they are not just thinking about filling up their calendars with days of delivery. They are thinking differently and they are communicating differently, right? They are coming back to their CSMs and saying, hey, I talked to this guy who was a developer. He actually asked me about this competitor, checking on that if that's a threat in the account. All of a sudden, the conversation starts becoming very strategic. Uh, rather than we sold 10 days of PS, we delivered eight days, we have two days on the book. Like it, it just it just moves uh, on to a very value-driven stage. Yep. Well, I think that the um, there's a light bulb going off in many organizations' minds around like where do these two functions overlap and where do they dovetail? And mm -hmm. it's really centered around like value, customer value yeah. as an, as a driver of things like ARR and revenue for our business. Okay. Like, like that's the route to growth, not the route to a, a line item growth mm -hmm. in our, in our financial accounts. Yeah. Um, I think though that there is something you, you talked about utilization, right? And I think that there's this, whilst there's these new the way that the new world the way that people need to think there's also this mindset shift around how if we're going to drive better productivity and better outputs from this team mm -hmm. then we have to either think about a different way to brand these metrics so like utilization for example it's mm -hmm. a it's it's i think it was the 50s or the 60s where it was invented as like a metric and it's still being used Whereas if you start to talk, so if you talk about utilization, it immediately is very inwardly focused. And you're like, what is the, what is the customer exactly. get out of that, right? Exactly. Whereas if you use the word capacity, mm -hmm. right, then you're talking about the, our, our delivery to deliver output for our clients. And it, it just reframes the thinking around it. And I think that's 
it's it's just as customer success, I think, has been at the forefront of some might say rebranding elements of account management and support into something mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Services has to rebrand itself to go on that same journey yeah. um, because a lot of that, that will shift the mindset. Yeah. What, what, do you, do you yeah. see where I'm coming no, I from? Love, I, love, I love the capacity rebranding and then capacity to achieve what, right? Mm-hmm. Capacity right. For, for, for what? I think, I mean, at the core of it, again, I'm sure my, my head of solution engineering will be listening to this. PS and support functions exist because there is something in the customer experience or the product experience, there is a friction and you're trying to solve it with PS and support, right? If there was a absolutely fantastic product and fantastic experience, which doesn't exist because as humans, we are not, you know, that, that, that standard, but let's assume for a minute that exists, you wouldn't need PS and support, right? So I think at the core of it, what you need to constantly think is not how many headcount can I add to my teams is how am I using my current people to actually reduce the friction every time I deliver an engagement or I close a ticket? Am I really solving the friction that required me to deliver an engagement and deliver a ticket resolution to the customer? I think if that mindset is in place, then you're actually building a much better smooth customer experience. And to what I just mentioned, on our phones, we are having fantastic experiences with the apps, but for some reason, enterprise software didn't make it to that, to that new paradigm, Yeah. right? And I think that's, that's a little bit, we created these functions and we just want to keep those functions going, but we are never actually questioning the root cause of why these functions exist in the, in, in the first place. Okay. Well, every function has a set of data points or KPIs. Um, mm-hmm. We often talk about the metrics that matter, right? Um, because they're trying to make decisions based off of those things, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. what, what, what do you see as some of the metrics that matter, that matter for success and services teams in this more modern world? What, what do you really focus on? Yeah, yeah. I, I would even add support to that because I think those okay. three or uh, needs to work together and, and communicate uh, very well. But I um, I obviously like to measure my teams on uh, leading indicators and value-based metrics, just as a principle. Um, I let my functional leaders to have other metrics just because they have to operationally, you know, um, accelerate and measure progress. So my go-to list is typically time to value and then a, an adoption uh, metric. Uh, time to value, is well known, right? Um, and, and you mentioned a little bit time to value according to who. Uh, yeah. so, so getting details on that will be very important to implement. But typically it is uh, you paid you know, your contract value to me. I need to implement the product for you. And you need to see that first return on investment. Um, it's not about usage. It's not consumption. It sometimes gets mixed with that. It's really that return on investment that the customer feels. So if your time to value is, is taking a little bit long time, but you're actually stopping the clock with a return on investment, I felt I, I, I'm okay with that. Um, because sometimes, you know, driving down the first credit in your, in your product 
might not be the value point for your customer. Um, so again, being thoughtful, being intentional, always thinking about what the customer is actually thinking about my metric uh, is, is important. And then the second one is, yeah. Sorry, sorry Karen. No, no, Karen. Yeah. And then the sec second one is adoption, where it also gets very specific to the product, right? Where is that wow feature in your product? Every product has that wow feature. And then 90% is standard features, maybe five, maybe 10% is that very differentiating feature. And when you implement it, you either, you know, really surprised and, and, and your adrenaline went up as a customer, you get excited when you see that feature or it integrated so well that it became very seamless in your platform. Product, you know, behaves differently. Um, whenever you find those feature set, driving adoption towards that is really important. And again, a common mistake here is driving adoption across the board um, for all the features, the 90 probably common features, that, that, that is not really where the values. Uh, it has to be, yep. again, very intentional. Yeah, I, 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 like the, I like the wow piece around adoption. We talk a little bit about in, in our business about wow moments. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, I've given an example to some of the teams. They're, always not, they're not always what you expect, right? And I, we, were in, we were in this training session today and I was giving in the example where we have this thing where it's called a, it's called a proximity search. So we have some customers mm. that they have, let's say they've got people all over the United States. They have to do things in person and they want to find a member of their team, put them on a piece of work, and they want to look at what is the distance between where that work is and where my person is. So it's called proximity search. So they search for a consultant and then they put in, I need them to be within 100 miles. What are my options? And then they show the route. So you can actually look on a Google map of, oh, you know, Sarah, she's based here and she can get there in two hours driving this way. That's a great fit. I'll assign it. It's super cool, right? It's super cool. However, the biggest wow moment that we I've seen in the last uh, in the last six months was when we brought out this uh, this ability to approve multiple timesheets all at the same time. <laughs> right. All yeah. at the same time. And I show, and I was showing it to a friend of mine who runs one of our one of our customer companies, and he's like, "Are you telling me that I can click one button and do everything <laughs> at the same time?" And I was like, "Yes." And he's like, "I would have your children right now." Um, yeah. And it's, it was just it was incredible just to see like it, it's actually like you said it's those friction moments you were talking about it earlier about like the role of services like really solving those painful elements. Yeah. that is that is really interesting do you feel then though just just a quick question on that then mm -hmm. that if you find that well moment is there a flip side of that which is like this is the the non-well moment this is the thing that everyone hates and really the role <laughs> of services and cs is to like to be immediately just feeding that back into the product organizations to say like we've got to turn this sad face into a at least a reasonably happy face is, yeah. is that is that a flip uh side of that uh, absolutely. This is this is why CS and product have a love and hate relationship together, right? right. Um, right. Absolutely. So, for instance, um, when I started MongoDB, it was an yep. on-prem product. Then it went to a little bit managed services. Then it went to SaaS. In Instabase, I'm going through the same journey. When you think about that, what is not in your control when you deploy your product is infrastructure, right? right. That's yeah. the area that typically is a pain point for wherever you go, whatever product you go. 
So um, it doesn't sometimes even have to be in your product. It can be the integration point or the deployment capacity of your product as well. So don't think about those bad moments. Maybe I cannot come up with a better name of, you know, opposite of wow, but those maybe, you know, hurt moments doesn't have to be in your product either. It can be the way that your documentation works, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, I got your product. I'm asking a question. I cannot find anything in your documentation. It's not intuitive. Um, It can be how your portal works. Um, So um, I would just say yes to your question, but expand the scope a little bit to think for friction points, look beyond just what happens in your product. Okay. So... So you're, you guys are going through this. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. So just to kind of explore something finally then. So if you're going through this, this evolution of your business towards much more of a SaaS, SaaS mm-hmm. model and SaaS revenue streams, um, I, I would imagine part of that is being driven by customers saying, we want this thing that you have, but we want it quicker than maybe what you've given it to us in the past. Would that be fair? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Some of them are saying that. Some of them are saying, um, I want it. I cannot cannot hire the skill set that's needed to, you know, manage and maintain it. Um, And then there are some also budget, you know, discussions internally that the customers need to put SaaS on one budget line item and, you know, deployed uh, solutions and another budget item. So, yeah, there are multiple reasons to go uh, move SaaS. Well, one of the things we talk about a lot is this, 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 we call it like this high velocity services environment. So you have this mm-hmm. traditional world of professional services and customer success, which was quite siloed mm-hmm. and slower. And you have this much more high velocity, rapid deployments, which is influenced by what you talked about, our experience on phones and consumerism and this convenience economy. And so, you know, in that world, first impressions matter and we, we talk about customer onboarding, uh, customer success, I'm sorry, starting with customer onboarding. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you've got some interesting perspective here because we <laughs> might be rebranding this as something yeah. else. So tell, tell us a little bit why you think that's important, but you actually think that customer success starts a bit earlier than onboarding. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Don't get me wrong. Onboarding is extremely important. It's a pivotal moment, not just for the customer, but for the whole, you know, partnership as well. So the the value and importance of it is is absolutely there. I think when you asked me the question before, I'm like, it actually doesn't start with customer onboarding. CS doesn't start. And typically when I give this answer, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. CS starts in pre-sales. When you're trying to close the contract, you want to bring your CS person to give confidence to the customer. I'm like, not, not there also. Uh, yes, but, but, but not there. Um, I'm a little bit probably influenced by running um, pipeline generation SDR organizations and CS organizations together in uh-huh. my mother EB days, that's where it's yeah. coming from. But what I learned in that very weird combo experience is customer success actually starts in the marketing and demand generation all the way in the beginning. And the reason for that is CS knows intuitively, if not well documented, they just know it, you know, uh, tribal knowledge. Um, who is the right ideal customer profile? 
CS also knows how to produce customer success stories and references and champions and advocates and just like noise in the market to actually, you know, help marketing. So um, I, I mentioned that I lived through this in Monga. I'm living through this in Instabase as well because we are in the early stages of establishing our brand and product messaging in the market and iterating on it. And I'm working almost on a weekly basis together with my marketing department. Um, and, and, and I don't know if people who are listening to this have thought about this or have done it, but I highly, highly recommend to spend some good, you know, open agenda conversation time between your CS functional leader and your marketing functional leader. You're going to learn a lot from each other and add a ton of value to each other. Um, yeah. I love it. Great. Well, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm really appreciative of your time. I want to sum up a few of the, some of some kind of my key takeaways. I'm trying to get better at this. A lot of people keep saying, you've got you to do some sort of summary. You just do like a mic drop at the end of these, these shows. It's because <laughs> I'm not a professional at all at it. Um, but I think there's a few things. One is that, um, I try to keep it simple, like customer success is one of the key prioritization points and organizational capabilities or capabilities the CS needs to have is around prioritization. Couldn't agree more. Um, I, I also think that the point that you make around like, your your customer may not have those skills internally and may not want to have them and therefore services has a role think of your services organization as actually your customer because they're going to be in, almost embedded in a way in your, in your customer organization yeah. is a is a very good way of reframing the again the perception of of, of that team um and and how you should work with them internally right um which 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 i thought was great um, and I'm always a big fan of anyone who disses old school PS metrics, um, uh, like 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 utilization of margin. And I think I think just my my comment there would be it's like it's not that these things are unimportant, right? If you're losing lots of money on your delivery, of course it's going to get noticed and talked about. But I think is it like it's not an outside in view of the world, and yeah. therefore if you're talking to your customer about how customer centric you are and how much value you want to deliver to them. And then they were to ask you, well, how are you measured? And you say on utilization of margin, they would be, you know, looking at yeah. you with a with a bit of a sad face. So I thought that was that was great as well. So thank you ever so much for for taking the time uh, to join us, and thanks for all of you uh, tuning in. Um, you can get more content obviously via our precursive podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google. Um, we talked a lot about the world of the changing world of services. You can download the traditional services is dead white paper. If you haven't done so already, Oscar, I'd highly recommend it, which has got, con <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's got contributions from, uh, from, from John Harrison, from Alex Farmer and, and from some folks over at Infosys, which was, which was great. Um, and of course you can subscribe online to our podcasts uh, and give us a rating and tell all your friends, CS and services families. So uh, thank you ever so much, Oscar. I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, absolutely. Um, some some great questions, and you you got me thinking. I think I need to go back to my team and ask them some questions too. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I love it. Good. This this guy that I chatted to, well, is <laughs> is prompting it. Good to hear. And is it is it nearly is it nearly one o'clock in in Turkey, or are you it are you is, are you? 
No, it is 7 p.m. So I have uh, around another four or five hours to go. Oh, because you work in New York time. Okay. Well, listen, have a have a lovely rest of the time in, in Turkey. And thank you ever so much for joining the show. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Bye.